Welcome to the Life Church Sermon Podcast. We're a church based in North Dallas with a desire to help people love God, love people, and make a difference. We hope you enjoy today's sermon. Um, we are we're picking back up and talking about keep the victory. How can we keep the victory? On Easter Sunday, that was kind of the theme of, of my message is that the cross represents a lot of things, but one of the things the cross represents is is victory. Jesus Christ was triumphant over death, hell, and the grave. And because of his victory, we can have victory. Victory is possible for you and I because he made it possible. But how how can we move from just having, uh, you know, a, a season of victory? How can we move from having an experience of victory and actually walk in victory, keep and maintain the victory. And so that's what we've been talking about the last few weeks. And in week number one, we talked about one of the keys for you to continue to keep the victory is you've got to stop believing lies. Stop believing lies. Has anybody identified some lies that the enemy's been telling you over the last, has anybody identified some lies maybe that you've just kind of adopted, grown up believing? Someone came up to me after service that night, and uh, when I spoke on it in that in that message, I, I mentioned how, you know, I, I kind of thought of myself as laid back, but it took somebody pointing it out saying, Shay, you are not laid back. And that was just a lie that I, I had believed, and somebody else said, you know what, they had a revelation that night. They thought they were laid back, but they're really not. And uh, so maybe there's some others of you that not just with that, but in other areas. But listen, if you're going to be victorious, if you're going to be an overcomer, you got to quit believing lies. The devil is a liar. He is the father of lies. So that was week one. And then in week number two, I talked about another key to keeping the victory is that you've got to stay in the word. You got you to stay in the word. There's a, there's a lot of uh, people, even religious groups and organizations that they are, are, are you know, they would, they would call themselves staying in the word, but they're revising the word. That's not really what I talked about a couple weeks ago. But listen, when I say stay in the word, I'm talking about the God-breathed word. I'm talking about the inerrant word of God. I'm talking about the fullness of truth, the, the whole counsel of God. Amen. We, we don't want to, we, we can't be guilty of coming in and saying, you know what, let's, let's explain this away and let's set this aside, right? But we've got to stay in the word because the word will give us strength and the word leads to victory. And so tonight, I'd like to share a third key to help you keep the victory and that is to keep coming to church. You might be thinking, well, I'm already here, Pastor, so maybe I don't need to hear this and I can just pack my stuff and get up and go on out because notice what I said here. I said, keep coming. Keep coming. Keep coming to church. Stop believing lies. Stay in the word and keep coming to church. I've already welcomed those who are watching on the webcast and I'm thankful for our, our webcasts and our camera crews and 
people working the switcher and all of those various things that go on to make that happen. It's, it's a tremendous tool. I, I'm thankful that there are people who are working out of town tonight and they're able to be a part of this because there's a webcast. I'm grateful for that. I'm, I'm thankful. There's some people that I know that are sick tonight but they're watching online because they can't be here. They're sick or a child is sick. I know of people who, who are shut in. They're not able, able to travel. They're not able to get out and go. And they're watching possibly tonight. And I'm thankful they have this access. I, I'm thankful that there may be somebody watching tonight who is saying, hey, let me check the Life Church out online before I ever check them out in person. You, you want to know what the new front door to the church is? And it's not those doors out there. The new front door to the church is the internet. It's the webcast. It's the website. I can't tell you how many people have told me before I ever showed up, I, I watched three or four services. I, I, I watched for two or three weeks before I ever came. And so I am, I am great. I want you to understand I'm grateful. There's people who are watching and use the webcast to consider whether they're going to visit us in the future. And I'm grateful there's benefits to being able to watch online, especially over the last couple of years that we've lived through during a pandemic, right? I mean, what would we have done without the webcast? What would we have done without the Internet? Thank God for that. What a tool, what a great tool, what a tremendous blessing. But here's what I want you to know. Webcast is great, watching online, church at home is great, but it should never permanently replace coming to church. It should never replace us meeting together, and I'm going to tell you why. And if you want to keep the victory, then this, this is important. You need to get a hold of this. You need to grasp what I'm going to be teaching here tonight. So why should we come to church and not just watch church? Why should we be here physically in the building? We're going to talk about the difference of that here over the next little while. But before I get to, to my first point, let me, just, let me share this uh, real quick. There, there, was a guy, there was a guy who got up on one Sunday morning, and he told his wife, I'm not going to church today. And I'll give you three good reasons why I'm not going. And so he proceeded to tell his wife, he said, number one, I don't like the building. I've never liked, I've never liked the building. And then number two, I, I don't like the people. And then number three, I don't think they like me either. I can just tell it. They look at me funny. They don't like me. I don't like them. And to that, his wife responded, well, I will give you three good reasons why you'd better get up and go. She said, number one, I've gotten up and I'm going. Number two, the kids have gotten up and they're going. And number three, you're the pastor. <laughs> better keep coming to church. <laughs> Again, why? Why is going to church important if you want to keep the victory? Well, here's the first reason tonight, God's presence. It's a pretty good reason, isn't it? It's one reason it's important to keep on coming, keep on being here, is God's 
presence. Now, I, I understand God's presence is everywhere. And in, in a series here a few months ago, I, I dealt with the presence of God. And, and I worked through the difference between what we know as the omnipresence of God or omnipresence of God. That, that's the fact that God is everywhere. You can't go anywhere to escape God. He is everywhere. And then not only is there his omnipresence, but there's his inner presence, right? That's the infilling of the Holy Ghost, the infilling of the Holy Spirit, Christ in us. There's the inner presence of God. But then there's also, and we talked about this a couple months ago, there is also the manifest, the manifest presence of God. That, that, that is the made known. That's when he makes himself known. He's there. He's everywhere you go, but he's not always making himself known. But when you come to church and you're in, 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 uh, gathered together with people of like precious faith and you begin to pray and you begin to call on the name of the Lord and you begin to worship the Lord, what does he do? He makes his presence known. He manifests himself. That's what happens when we come together. And I'm going to tell you, you know what? I'm, I'm grateful during church at home when, when my family gathered in our living room and, and we were watching online. You know, there, there were times where when we were really engaged that the presence of the Lord came into that living room. But then there are other times that it was just easier just to kind of sit back and, and just kind of watch and be unengaged. But when you come to the church... When you come together, when, when, when somebody else is worshiping, maybe, you, maybe, you, maybe you've had a tough day, maybe you're weary in, in your body, but somebody else is breaking through and, and, and somebody else is pushing and somebody else is saying, hey, I've got an alabaster box I'm gonna break open to the Lord tonight. Guess what? God says, hey, I'm pleased in that and I'm gonna show up. I'm gonna make my presence known. Hallelujah. So let's, let's get to the word. Let's, let's get to Scripture. When God told Moses and the children of Israel, he told them uh, to construct a tabernacle. I, I want you to make a place of dwelling for me. That's, that's what that word tabernacle means. It means to dwell. God tabernacled with them. When we receive the Holy Ghost, he tabernacles in us. And so he said, construct a tabernacle. This was the very first one in Scripture, Moses' tabernacle. And he gave them these instructions. He said, what you see in heaven, build it on earth. And so the, the, the pattern for the tabernacle is in heaven. And this is what the Lord said in Exodus chapter 25, verse number 8. He said, and, and let them that, that's, that's the people, that's, that's us, if you will, or spiritual Israel. Let them make a sanctuary, right? Let them make me a sanctuary, that, that's for God. So let the people make God a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. That's his desire. That's what he wants. He wants to be in the middle of his people. He said, so I want you to make a tabernacle. Make me a dwelling place so I can come and dwell among them. We see it right there. That's the desire of the Lord. And then in that same book, that same chapter, just a few verses later, verse number 22, it says, and, and there, speaking about the tabernacle, in that dwelling place, in that gathering place, and there I will meet with you and I will speak with you. 
So he's just kind of reiterating. This is a place of encounter. This is a place where my presence is going to be manifest. And then Jesus even confirmed this in Matthew chapter 18 and verse number 20. He said this, for where two or three or what? Gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. Where people come together, God dwells. When people assemble, God shows up. I'm talking about his presence. I wonder tonight if anybody could throw your hand up if you've ever experienced it when the Lord has manifest his presence in the midst of a gathering, maybe in the middle of worshiping, maybe in the middle of praying, and his presence was tangible and his presence was so strong you could almost cut it with a knife. Listen, you can't put a price tag on the presence of God. There's nothing greater. There's nothing more special here on earth than the presence of God. As a matter of fact, I I believe that that's when we're closest to heaven is when we're in the manifest presence of God because his presence, listen, he, he doesn't have to give us his presence. We don't have to have chill bumps to live for him. Listen, the cross ought to be enough for us to be willing to, hey, whatever you want me to do, right? But it's a bonus. It's a bonus. And if there's, if you walk through a dry season, this isn't in my notes. If you walk through a dry season, you ought to still be able to live for God. If there's a time where he kind of pulls his manifold, his, his manifest presence from you, you ought to still be able to live for the Lord after all he has done for you, after all of the sins he has forgiven you of. Out of all the goodness he's shown over the fact that he's written your name in the Lamb's book of life, that ought to be enough. That ought to be enough. But he manifests himself. He shows up in our midst. What a blessing. What, what, a, what a wonderful thing. As a matter of fact, I, I feel like when we talk about the manifest presence of God, we're talking about heaven on earth. So it's a foretaste of what heaven's going to be like when we're in his literal presence. Oh, hallelujah. And we're living in that place where the lamb is the light. We don't need the sun anymore because Jesus Christ is there and we're in his literal presence. Well, that's, that's, that's the closest we can get to heaven down here is when we find ourselves in the presence of God. Do you, do you remember in the Old Testament when God got angry with the people of Israel and they were, they were traveling through the wilderness, they were positioned, ready to go into the promised land, but they were frustrating the Lord and they were frustrating Moses. And so God said to Moses, he said, okay, you go ahead. Go on into the promised land, but I'm not going with you. I'll send an angel. I'll send an ambassador, but I'm not going. I'm, 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 I'm tired of you guys. <laughs> I've had it up to here. You go on, I ain't going. Moses' reply was, oh, God, if your presence doesn't go, I'm not going either. They can all go into the promise. I'd rather stay in the wilderness with you if that's where your presence is than to go into the promised land without you. If your presence doesn't go, I'm not going. 
then that's not all Moses said. He said, and if your presence doesn't go with us, then how will we be different from all the other nations? What's going to set us apart? What's going to empower us? What's going to make us different if we don't have your presence? Listen, church, you want to know what's different about gathering together? You want to know what's different about the church than is different than the grocery store? You want to know what's different about the church than it is different than the country club or that is different than the casino? I'll tell you what it is. It's God's presence is here. God's prayer, when, when his people comes together, God dwells in the midst of his people. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's the presence of the Lord. It's the manifest presence of God. I wonder tonight, has there been anybody who's ever, who has ever walked into a restaurant, maybe even your favorite restaurant, and you thought, ooh, wow, presence of God is so strong in this restaurant. The presence of your craving may be strong. Your hunger pains may be strong. But I don't know that you've ever walked into a restaurant and had that experience. Oh, do you feel that? Hey, do you feel the presence of God is just so. No, but when you walk into the church, come on, when you walk into the church and somebody's already got a hold of the horns of the altar, Somebody's already setting the spiritual temperature before you ever got here. You walk in and you walk in in the midst and, oh, hey, I feel something. And God, God is begin, God's getting ready to move. God's getting ready to work in this place. Listen, that's the only thing. This is the only thing that makes us different right here than any other group that's gathering tonight. I don't know if there's a ball game going on tonight somewhere in, in, in Dallas. I'm sure there's some kind of sport being played. But you know what? The manifest presence of God's not there. But it is here. But it is here. And that's what makes us different. This, the church, is the only organization where the God says, hey, I'm going to be there. I'm going to dwell in the midst of you when you come and you get together. That's what makes us different. That's what makes a church different. It's because God shows up when we come together. Another thing we need to understand, the second reason that we should keep going to church is because of God's power. It's because of God's power. We read, we read Matthew chapter 18, verse 20 a moment ago. You know, if two or three are gathered together, I'm going to be in the midst. But let's look at the verse that's right before that, verse number 19, and here's what it says. Again, I say to you, if two, if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, what comes next here? It will be done. If two of you will agree, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. So that's, that's verse number 19. And then we carry on to verse number 20, the verse right after that we read a moment ago. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. So the reason why when you come together in, in, in a church house and you say, hey, will you pray with me, brother? Or you come to the front and have a prayer leader pray with you that it's such a powerful thing. It's because we are doing something that is a principle of the word of God. 
That's where two or three are coming together. And when you do that, there's power. He said, if you do it, it will be done. If two or three agree, it will be done. And the reason that is the case is because it's as if he's standing right there beside you. Because he said, where two or three come together, I'm going to be there. So that's why when you pray together, when you unite together with other believers, it's so powerful. It's because it's as if God is standing right there, that his presence is with you. And where his presence is, there is power. Here's the rub, though. There's many people who want and need the power of God in their life, but they won't go to church. It's too much of a hassle. It's an inconvenience. Got other things going on. They, they want God. They, they profess a desire for God, yet they, they don't go to church consistently. Listen, when I was growing up, when I, when I was a, a child, when I was a teenager even, I went to church four times a week. Some of you can identify with that. I went Sunday morning and Sunday night. And I also went Tuesday because we had youth service on Tuesday night. And then I went back the very next night on Wednesday for Bible study. And then that's not to mention that many times we had youth rallies on Friday night or we had other youth events and activities on Friday night. And I'm not here saying that we need to go back to that. that that's not what I'm saying. But I am saying I went to church more then and it didn't hurt me. It didn't scar me. As a matter of fact, it likely helped me. As a teenager, facing all the pressures that I was in life, dealing with all the pulls and the appeals of the world, it, it didn't hurt me a bit, but it very likely helped me. Why? Because when I was at church, I found myself in the presence of the Lord, and where the presence of the Lord is, there's power. Because when God's people get together, that's what happens. His presence is there. His power is exponential. Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse number 30 says this. I missed my uh, prompt there. Sorry about that. Here's what it says. How, can, how could one chase a 1,000 and yet two put 10,000 to flight? But that's what happens when, when one or two two or three get together, the power of God, it does, it's, not, it's not addition that happens, it's multiplication. It's an exponential effect that carries on. It's by the power of God. That, that's why I'm telling all of us here tonight, that's why I'm saying, hey, you need to be, I need, we all need to be committed to the house of God. And I'm telling us, that's why we ought to prioritize the house of God over every other thing. As a matter of fact, I'm going to tell you tonight, you need to plant yourself in the house of God. When you plant yourself, you know what that means? That means you put down roots. I'm not going anywhere. I, 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 this is not going to be up for debate from service to service. This isn't going to be up for debate from week to week. Listen, I remember a time where my mom and dad sat us down in the living room and they said, hey, from this point on, every time the church doors are open, we're going to be there. You know what they were doing? They were saying we're planting ourselves in the house of God. We're making a commitment. And they stood true to that. They planted themselves 
Here's what the word of God says in Psalm 92, beginning with verse number 13. Kind of reiterates why this is important. It says, "Those, those who are planted, where? In the house of the Lord, they shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall bear fruit in old age. They shall be fresh and flourishing. So there's three words there in verse number 14. I want you to look at them. These three words are fruit, fresh, and flourishing. If you plant yourself in the house of God, you're going to bear fruit. Your spirit's going to maintain a freshness, and you will flourish. But listen, these things right here are only promised to those who are planted. If you want this, you got to plant yourself. If you want want these blessings, you've got to make up in your mind. This is only promise. This is only for those who are planted. This is not for those who just float. They just float in. They float out whenever, but that they are planted in the house of the Lord. And sometimes, listen, sometimes what you need is not a meeting with me. Sometimes what you need is not to sleep in on Sunday morning. Sometimes what you need is not another getaway. But sometimes what you need is just to get into the presence. Come on, just a moment in the presence of God. Can ail everything that is wrong in your life. Come on, many times what you need is just a touch from the hand of God. It's just to be in the midst, in the middle of a move, a divine move of God. So my advice is to keep coming. Keep coming to church. My advice to you is don't go less. Go more. Ever how much you're going, go more. Just keep coming to church. Just keep worshiping God and let God do a miracle in your life. As a matter of fact, I know of some pastors who won't sit and counsel with somebody. They won't meet with someone until they've come to three services in a row. In other words, hey, be committed. Be faithful to the house of God. Come to three services in a row and just see if through the preaching or the teaching or you being in the midst of a move of God, if God doesn't take care of whatever it is you're dealing with. Hallelujah. There's some wisdom to that. Because many times, getting in the presence of the Lord and hearing the power of the word, being on the receiving end of the power of the word can address the issue of your life. So listen to me tonight. If your marriage is in need of healing, then just keep on coming to church because there's power and healing in the presence of the Lord. If your kids are struggling, if they're worrying you, the best place you can get your kids the best place you can get your teenagers is into the presence of the Lord. If you're going through a difficult season of life, get into the presence of the Lord because his power is demonstrated here. Your miracle might not happen instantaneously, but it may come through simply coming to church, being in the presence of the Lord.
The third reason to keep going to church is God's people. God's presence, God's power, God's people. And you may be thinking, well, if I've got God's presence and God's power, then why do I need God's people? Well, listen, it's because his presence and his power flows through his people. How, how can you have an opportunity for somebody to be used in the gifts of the Spirit to minister to you if you're not around somebody who can be used in the gifts of the Spirit? While you were having church at home, how many times did someone give a tongues and interpretation there in your living room? How many times did someone come and speak to you a word of wisdom? Probably didn't happen. Unless it was your wife prophesying and it really wasn't the Lord, but it was what she wanted you to hear. <laughs> Thus saith the Lord, thou husband of mine. <laughs> God's presence and his power flows through his people. You need people. I need people. Even the most introverted amongst us, we need people. Some people say, you know, you know what, my, my walk with God, my relationship with God, it's just Jesus and me. You know, we got our own thing going on. I don't, I don't need anybody else, just me and God. But can I tell you, that's not the way God set it up. That, that's not the way that he wants it to be, right? As a matter of fact, after he created Adam, God said this, it's not good for man to dwell alone. It's not good. Let's check out a few more passages here. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 10, Paul was writing to the Gentiles they, who, like us, had been grafted in. They, they were not Jews, but they were spiritual Israel. And so he was writing to them, and he said this to them, who once were not a people, you, there was a time where you didn't belong. You weren't a people. You didn't have a people. But now you are the people of God. I want you to notice, he didn't say you're the person of God. He's using plural here. You're a part of something. You're a part of a movement. You're a part of something that is bigger than you. You are a people, a people of God who have not obtained mercy, but now you have obtained mercy. Listen, in this, Peter was actually quoting the Old Testament prophet Hosea. And then we find the apostle Paul. He did the very same thing. He did the same thing in Romans. Brother, I must have hit the wrong button. Come help me out. I hit return, but it didn't work, so... We're going to go on while he's fixing that. The Apostle Paul in Romans 9 and 25, he, he, was, he was addressing the Gentile believers. And here's what he says there. As he says also in Hosea, Peter quoted Hosea. Now Paul's quoting Hosea. If we can go back to that. There we go. I will call them my people, not my person, my people who were not my people, and her beloved who were not my beloved. And so here, here is the original prophecy. This is found in Hosea. This is found in Hosea chapter two. Here's what it says there. Then I will say to those who were not my people, 
You are my people, plural, my people, and they shall say, you are our God. Listen, I don't know how you feel about it tonight, but it's good to be a part of the people of God. It's a good thing to be a part of the people of God. We need, you need, we all need people. Then Jesus, he backs it up when he's asked, hey, Lord, what's the greatest commandment? There's a lot of commandments. There's a lot of laws, but what's the greatest commandment? And here's what Jesus answered. He said, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And and, and then he said this, and the second commandment is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And then he made this incredible statement. He said, on these two commandments hang all of the law, and all of the prophets. So what was the law? Well, the law is the first five books of the Bible. It's known as the Pentateuch, right? The five books, the five books of the law. And so he said these commandments, all the law, all those five books, the first five books of the law, and the prophets were the rest, right? The major prophets and the minor prophets. He said all of those books hinge, hang on these two commandments. Love God. Love people. Amen. Remember, in that time, they, they, they didn't have the New Testament when Jesus was speaking this. They, they were the New Testament. So he's saying on these commandments hang everything else. And so when Jesus referred to the Scripture, to the law and the prophets, what he was saying was the whole Bible hangs on these two commandments. We talked about it back in January, and it's a part of our vision here at the Life Church. Here's how we say it. Love God, love people. The first commandment, the second commandment, that is like it, right? You could also say it like this. Have a relationship with God and have a relationship with people. We need people. Amen. God works through his people. Yes, he works through his presence and he works through his power, but many times they flow through his people. We need the love of God and we need to love people. We need a relationship with God and we need a relationship with people. In 1 Corinthians, the apostle Paul, he was encouraging the the people, the Corinthians, the church at Corinth to do better And he kind of put some things in order, and as he often did, he would start with a question, and then he would answer his own question. And that's what he did here in this passage in 1 Corinthians 14 and 26. And he said this, how is it then, brethren? The ESV, English Standard Version, says it like this. What then, brothers, or or what's happening? What's what's going on? How, How is this working? And then he answers them and says this, whenever you do what? Come together. Each of you has a psalm. Each of you has a teaching. You have a tongue. You've got a revelation and an inspiration. He's saying, hey, there's some gifts that have been imparted to the church. There's the, the, the gifts of the Spirit have been, you've been equipped with those things, and, and you need to use those things. And then he says this, let all of these things be done for edification. So we know what edification means. Edification means building up. It means encouraging, sharpening one another. Iron, sharpening iron. But listen, apparently what Paul is saying is that the way that you get built up, it's by somebody else's song. The way that you get built up is somebody's teaching you. 
The way that you get built up is someone is sharing a revelation that they have, and they're sharing that with you. So listen, in essence, I want you to catch this. In essence, what Paul was saying is that many times, is God going to minister to you and meet you? He may give someone else what you need. He may give somebody else what you need, and the only way that you're going to get it is to come together. The only way that you're going to get what God has given someone to bless you with, to impart to you, to edify you with, is for you to be there. Many times we refer to everyone in this room as a congregation. You know, this, this congregation, we've got, you know, a good group here in the congregation tonight. But in order for there to be a congregation, we must congregate. We've got to come together. For there to be a congregation, we've got to congregate. We've got to be here together. I'm hurrying. The book of Numbers speaks of signal trumpets, and we're going to start off in Numbers chapter 3, excuse me, 31, and beginning with verse number 6. And here's what he says here. Then Moses sent them to war, 1,000 from each tribe. He sent them to war with Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the prophet, with the holy articles and with the signal trumpets in his hand. Signal trumpets. Hang on to that, okay? So this is what's happening. Numbers 31, later in the book, verse 6. But if we back up a little bit and we go to Numbers chapter 10, and we, we, we read in verse number 1, here, here's what it says there. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, make two silver trumpets for yourself, and you shall make them of hammered work and you shall use them. Here's the purpose of these trumpets, these signal trumpets. It's to call the congregation. When you hear the trumpet, what does that mean? Hey, it's time to assemble. It's time to come together. So here, use them. This is the purpose. And for directing the movements of the camp. Where you hear the trumpets going, you go in that direction. In the direction of the sound of the trumpets, you march, you walk, you move in that direction. When they blow both of them, all the congregation shall gather before you at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. It's a gathering place. And then in that same chapter, but in verse number 9 of Numbers chapter 10, Here's what it says. And when you go to war in your land against the enemy that oppresses you. Has anybody ever been oppressed by an enemy? Has anybody ever been opposed by an enemy? So he says, when you go to war in your land against an enemy who oppresses you, then you shall sound an alarm with the trumpets, and you will be remembered before the Lord your God, and you will be saved. You'll be saved from your enemies. So you want to know what I'm doing tonight? I'm sounding an alarm in this place. That's what I'm doing. I'm blowing a signal trumpet. I'm telling you that, listen, if you want to keep the victory, then you need to keep coming to church. If you want to protect your relationship with God, if you want to stay saved, if you want to hold on to your walk with God, then you need to stay connected to the body of Christ. You need to keep coming to church. Because it's here that we receive edification. 
like we just read about a moment ago. And it's here that we are directed according to what God said to Moses. And it's here that we are protected. Listen, those are three good reasons right there to come to church. Those are three good things to come to church for. Edification, direction, and protection. Amen. Because you need to be edified and I need to be edified. You need direction in your life sometimes. You need protection from the enemy. You don't need to fight alone. You know who the wolf catches? You know who it is that the wolf picks off? That he preys on? It's the one that's on the, it's on the edge. It's, it's the one that's on the outskirts. It's, it's, that, it's that, that, that individual that's out on the, on the fringe. That, that's the one that the enemy targets. It's the one that is loosely connected, if you will. It's the one that's not all in, that's not committed, that's not involved. You know what the Bible says about us? That we're sheep. We're like sheep. So a predator is a wolf, and he's coming after someone to pick off. Who's the most vulnerable? The Bible says we all like sheep have gone astray. We're the sheep of his pasture. We're like sheep. So listen to me tonight. If you're on the fringes, here's what you need to do. Hey, where, 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 where's that body of believers? I, I, hey, I need to get right over in here. I need, I, need, I need to get back in here. I need to find a way get back here in the middle of the... I, I'm not on the fringe anymore. Hallelujah. I, I'm not at danger anymore. I'm, I, I'm not vulnerable anymore. Why? Because there's others that are around me protecting me. And there's others around me that are watching out for me. There's others around me that are insulating me. Come on, if you find yourself on the periphery, if you find yourself on the fringe, if you find yourself on the outskirts, you need to get in the middle of the church. You need to get in the midst of the people. Hallelujah. Listen, if you're thinking... You know what, I'm, I'm not a sheep. There may be others that are sheep, but I'm actually a little superior. I'm, I'm, I'm evolved. I don't, I don't really have to be in the middle. I can hang out here on the edges. I, I can hang out here on the periphery, and I can make it, and I'll be okay. Can I tell you, there's a wolf, and he's cunning, and he's looking for whoever is vulnerable. He's looking for whoever it is that he can, he can pick off that's on the outskirts. Listen, you need brothers and sisters around you. You need the body of Christ around you. We need each other. Here's what Hebrews 10, 25 says, a very familiar verse of Scripture, not forsaking what? Don't forsake it. Don't forsake it. There's safety here. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another when? So much more when we see that day approaching. Listen, I've been talking about it the last few weeks. That day's approaching. That day's approaching, church. Come on, the signs are everywhere. They're, they're, they're there. And so we need to heed this word of God. If the day of the Lord, if the catching away of the church is approaching, we don't need to go to church less. We need to go to church more. Oh, hallelujah. It's true anyhow. Amen. 
Our church attendance shouldn't be decreasing. It should be increasing because here's what I believe. The day of the Lord is approaching. Does anybody else believe that tonight? The day of the Lord is approaching. It's nearing. So we need to make sure we're not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. We should be gathering. We should prioritize coming together, gathering together, assembling together. Because when God's people come together, listen, here's here's what I see. When God's people come together, his presence is manifest and his power is released. Would you stand with me right now? Hallelujah. As they begin to play and we get ready to close this out here, here's how I want us to close tonight. Listen, when God's people come together, his presence is there. Could anybody give me a witness tonight that you've you've experienced the presence of the Lord in this place? When God's people come together, his presence is there. And when his presence is there, his power is released. Thanks for joining us today. We hope that you were inspired by today's sermon. Connect with the Life Church through our website, TLCDallas.com, and on Facebook and Instagram at TLC Dallas. Remember, together we can love God, love people, and make a difference. God bless.